Okay, welcome back to Lord Clark and Friends, episode number 20. Woohoo, we made it to number 20. Uh, we're here with our friend Lord Cran. Yep. Alright, so we're just going to get right into the news today because there's just some strange things going on um, in the news. Uh, first one off the top of my news here is Chimp Attack 911 Call. He's ripping her apart. So I know this is a few weeks old, but... Uh, you know, we we got to talk about it. You know, Connecticut woman pleaded for police to hurry and to save her from the attack by a pet chimpanzee. You know, I'd like to write this one off into the. She had it coming, department. Yeah, I'd have to say she had it coming. I mean, if you're gonna live with a wild animal, get ready for the wild animal to attack you. Uh. You know, it's sort of like uh, what the old Siegfried and Roy getting what is it? Siegfried or Roy got attacked by the lion, the uh, the tiger that they were training. Yeah. He decided he was better he was better tasting his lunch than listening to him. Well, you know, with certain animals, like animals have respect for alpha behavior. You know, like alpha males, dominance, and whatever. Right. And if you don't have that kind of you know, background where you're going to be prepared to take the leadership role yep. relative to an animal that you're dealing with, you're going to get killed. I mean, or you could get killed, and in this case, you could get mauled. <laughs> um, I say she had it coming. Yeah, she. I, I kind of agree. She wasn't, I mean, at 70, the chimp finally decided, you know, she was 70, the chimp finally decided to take advantage and try to regain its freedom. Yep. Uh, and, you know, I, honestly, like, I know people have pets, and they make them feel better, okay? And I, I, I can even, I won't say I, I respect it, but I understand it at least enough to, you know, say, all right, that's what people do, okay? But they're animals. They're wild animals. They belong in the wild. Okay, and maybe we should just rethink our relationship with animals in our lives. I totally agree. Animals are to be eaten or to be used as as things to defend you. Uh, that's what the dog was intended for when we domesticated it, was to defend the family. Or to hunt. You know, or, you know, in the Asians found dogs were intended to be food. Uh yeah, and to help you hunt too. Yeah. All right, let's move on to our next story. Next story. Um, you'd found a book, Nazi War on Cancer. Now, this is a this is a thing that I think we can spend a little bit of time on because this is really about the Nazi forbidden experiments that you can't do any longer to benefit society. That's right. We, we were speaking about this a little bit offline, and uh, I wanted to bring it up because there's a book that I'm really actually trying to get my hands on. It's a little bit rare, so it may be hard to get. But it, it's uh, When uh, Medicine Went Mad. It was a bioethics panel back in 92. The guy, uh, I think the guy's name was Arthur Kaplan. He wrote this book, and he had a panel of experts, and they were talking about, well, one of the things that, that I... I sort of stumbled into this whole thing, uh, or at least this, this whole topic was, well, 
there's a guy who studied hypothermia and realistically you couldn't reproduce the conditions in which um, you would have someone who has hypothermia and you want to see how to best save their life. Right. Because if you, were, if you were to try this experiment on humans now, it would obviously be considered unethical, perhaps insane. Um, or even torture. Cruel, cruel, torture, evil, you know, all these really bad connotations. So the scientist, the bi uh, biologist, uh, biologist um, researcher guy, uh, right. wanted to use the data that... Um, uh, the guy's name, I believe, was Rasher. He was a, a Nazi scientist named Rasher. And he wanted to use this guy's data because apparently the, the best known technique... See, let's look at uh, the actual, you know, the issue was, well, in, in the 1940s, it was, quote, common knowledge that if someone is freezing to death, you warm them up slowly. This Rasher guy, a, a Nazi scientist, had this idea that you need to heat them up or rapidly warm them. So this guy uh, wanted to use this, the, the research of the Nazi scientists and be able to publish it and base a paper and basically do some other things with this data. Right. So I was poking around and I was like, oh, well, what other books are related to this? And uh, I came across this thing about, well, you know, how the, the Nazis had, uh, they had some health agendas in addition to their, you know, the evil agendas that are well known of, you know, cleansing and blah, 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 like, you know, ethnic cleansing, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. They had health agendas where they wanted people to, they actually wanted people to stop smoking. Um, because they saw the correlation to cancer back then. Yeah. They wanted to, it, so, uh, I mean, as awkward as this may be, in, in thinking about this, uh, there are a number of comparisons that you could make between some of the things about Hitler to Obama. Okay. I'm willing to go there. What? How can we... Well, he's already... Uh, Obama's already stated he wants to cure cancer. Right. So did Hitler. Okay, good. Okay. Obama is perceived, at least by many, to be an eloquent speaker. Right, which... which and Hitler was. Which Hitler was. And both have at least radical agendas. Okay. And some would say they border on fascist. Well, I for think... Example, for example, this whole going green thing. Let's go with green energy. Let's force green energy down people's throats and tax them when they're not being green enough. That is fascism. Uh, I think that's more socialism than fascism. I think Obama is a little more of a socialist than a fascist, but I think at the end of the day, a fascist and a socialist are a lot closer than you think. Uh, but that's my point of view on it. Uh, yeah, I also have come to the conclusion 
after listening to lots of things, that people, uh, you know, you look at political battles, and the, there's always a long war. Right. And many, of the, many of the victories are temporary. Okay. So but some of the victories stand the test of time. They, they sort of go back and forth and back and forth, and then they kind of settle on the way it's going to be. Right. That kind of happened with slavery. That kind of happened with women's suffrage. That kind of happened with the use of government for uh, spreading democracy around the world, or making the world safe for democracy. <laughs> yeah, well, as we found out, making the world safe for socialism, because that's what democracy turns into when you let it run wild. But here's the thing. We have our checks and balances where, you know, every four years, we can, we can, if we want to. If we're willing to. Huh? If we're willing to. If we're willing to, we can vote the current president out. Every six years, we can vote out our senators, and every two years, we can vote out our representatives. Right. We have that kind of power. And they, the votes for those will sway as a reflection of popular opinion. If enough people get pissed off this election cycle, this, this midterm election cycle coming up in the next year, um... You're going to see a swing back to, I wouldn't say necessarily towards conservatism, but if you see, for example, now, Obama's passing all sorts of stuff because he's got a whole bunch of Democrats to back him up. Yep. They're all liberals. Yep. Well, you throw in some conservative Republicans the next round, it's going to be like the Clinton administration again because things are going to get so locked up that nothing is going to get done. And that's a good thing for us. Oh, I totally agree it's a good thing for us. And about the only way uh, that this union is going to get saved, I think, this time around. And, and, you know, it's just scary to think that people in Massachusetts keep voting in the morons who caused the situation we're in. And not only that, the person in charge of the House Finance and Banking Committee, Mr. Barney Frank, the person who has been paid off the most by the, uh, the two companies really responsible for this problem, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, are, is Barney Frank our trusted representative from Newton. Yeah. How do we keep, how do the people from Newton keep electing this felon who should have been prosecuted because he's, his partner is running a male prostitution ring out of his apartment? Okay, I don't care if I'm going to be called a sexist or racist or whatever you want to call me. I, I'm done. I'm done. I'm everything. You know the answer to this, and you just don't want to say it. I'll say it. Okay. You've got a bunch of people in Newton who are too rich to care. Yeah. 
Okay, and what they what what they believe is hippy dippy sappy dopey kind of oh yeah uh well there's a D next to his name. Yeah, but how can you how can you live your life? Now, now don't get me wrong. Okay, look, there are people out there who vote Democrat. And, you know, I've had a few conversations about this lately. But they'll vote Democrat only based on where they stand socially. Oh, they believe in women's issues. Oh, they believe in gay rights. Oh, they are a friend of the women. Oh, they are the friend of the downtrodden. Okay. And they make their decisions on how they feel. Now... It's not rational. It is not rational. We understand that. But that is where it's coming from. People vote with their hearts and not their brains. Okay? But in a true republic, one that should be standing for the things that this country was founded upon, they should be using both. I agree. But you know we need to we need to discuss what this country was founded on, because I am I am still of the point as we've talked about since the first last since the first episode into now by hook or by crook these guys from the founding fathers the more we look into them the more corrupt they were the more Bostonian they were I believe in Bostonian corruption I don't care I like corrupt my politicians to be corrupt that way I know how they're gonna they're actually gonna act. Now the problem is now, this. Hold on a sec. You know, only within only within the past hundred years have people become complacent locally in yes. terms of taxation and liberalism. Yes, Massachusetts. Prior to that, there were tax rebellions here in the Commonwealth. Yes, in the Commonwealth, where we threw the tea overboard and blamed it on the Indians. Uh, you know. Which I find even funnier. Let's blame it on the... Let's dress up like Indians and go out and, and uh, throw some tea overboard. Well, but even after that, there were other rebellions in mass where courthouses were stormed. We need to start doing that again. Anti-tax rebellion before they bring in this 19-cent tax that we don't need on gasoline. 5%... Okay. Now... Yeah, here's something to think about. And I've been mulling over this more and more lately. Okay. The Declaration of Independence is more important of a document than the Constitution because the Constitution isn't being held up. Right. The Declaration of Independence gives us the guidelines for which the government is supposed to work and the way people are supposed to be governed. How so? That being said, well, let, let me continue. The, the notion of when government isn't working, that we have the right to alter or abolish it, and potentially the, the inalienable right or the implicit right. Keeping bare arms. No, no, that's a side effect. Don't get me wrong. 
It's important, but it's a side effect. The implicit right, when altering government doesn't seem feasible, abolishing it doesn't seem feasible because the government is so stacked up militarily against you. Right. Okay. But the not necessarily even only a right, it is also a duty, a duty to have a revolution. I it agree. is a duty to revolt against an oppressive and tyrannical government. I agree. And I and I that's why I think the real reason the Second Amendment is there is we need to have an armed uprising against this tyrannical Obama government and overthrow it and put in a uh finally put in a government that is for the people again. We need to overthrow it, get rid of all taxes, and start over. It's time to have an armed uprising. I, I'm getting to that point. Twenty to eleven, you know. I, I, I I'm going off the deep end here. I've gone off the deep end. Now we have, for example, that's why we have the Homegrown Terrorism Act, right? Which which runs contrary to both the Declaration of Independence and the Second Constitution. Yep. So, so we got to throw out. Not we really got to throw out these bums in Washington. We yeah. sure as hell can't vote them out. Yeah, well, that's because there's not enough people around here who are willing to help vote them out, willing to be what Massachusetts used to be—a revolutionary body for less taxation, for for taking care of business when it needs to be taken care of. It's time for the traditional Massachusetts, puritanical Massachusetts. Yeah, I dare say it, the puritanical people of Massachusetts who built this state to rise up and take over government again. Yep. And, you know, when we got rid of the good old boy network because these Democrats, oh, no, we gotta we got to get more voters, so we got to get rid of the good old boys. When we got rid of the good old boys, things went, things went bad. Now, now, see, here's the question I have to bring up, and this is a really good one because I've spent a lot of time on it, and I've thrown it across a few other people, too. Right. And that is, what does it mean in times like now? How would you define treason? Okay, uh, let's see. I mean, treason is usually something against the state that betrays the state's sovereignty think that's the definition, or close to the definition of what treason is. So any act that would the would lessen the state's sovereignty is a treasonous act. Okay, so let's back up here. I'm going to make an assumption, and I may be wrong, you know how what assumptions mean, yep. but I'm going to make an assumption that after this administration, maybe further down the road, People are going to look back and look at Obama as a tyrant. Uh, it is quite possible. I think the only reason that he may not be looked at as a complete tyrant is the fact that he he he's getting away with Nancy Pelosi doing everything. Yeah. So he's going to probably come out to look a lot more like Jimmy Carter. He's starting to look really like Jimmy Carter in where he's getting walked on by his own party. And they're going to have a tyrannical backwards view, and he's going to be sent to pasture like Jimmy Carter was. Well, if you openly endorse 
the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. Yes. Which I do. You could clearly identify Obama as an enemy of both. Yes, and I totally agree. Making him a tyrant. Now, the question is, if you do something about it, if you call him out about it... You're going to be called a racist. If, no, forget, forget racism. Forget that. That's not an issue here. If he is doing something that is tyrannical... Yep. ...then you take up arms to start an army. Not necessarily to go after him, but if you take up arms to, you know, defend the, the spirit as well as the letter of the law. Right. In an armed uprising like you were supposed to do under the Second Amendment. Would you be bringing him up on treason? Or because you are now an enemy of the state, you are now treasonous? Um, I wouldn't be treasonous. I'd be an enemy of the state, and they'd look for a way to call me a terrorist or some sort of... They'd try to blanket me as a terrorist or a gangster or some way to get me under one of those laws, which, you know, when you get down to it, there is a element of risk if you're going to lead an armed uprising. Yeah, um, well, there always is. So, you know, if you don't win, you know you're going to you're gonna be executed. It's just that simple. But at some point, you have to believe, like the soldier, the World War One soldiers, that you know times have gotten so tough, and the government hasn't has betrayed you. Now, I I totally believe the government has betrayed me, and times have gotten tough enough where the government is even were betraying me more. The problem is, is I'm so lazy, I'm not going to be the one leading the the armed rebellion. I don't even have a gun yet, so. You know, though, <laughs> though, so that's where I'm at on this issue. If I can find somebody else to run the rebellion, you know, to go and do it, fine for them, but I'm not leading it because I don't have a gun. And in let's Massachusetts... Look at, let's look at history, though. Let's look back at history. John Wilkes Booth. Right. Assassinated Lincoln. Okay. Do you call him a patriot for that? That is a question. The South would have. Actually, the South didn't. They actually gave him up, and they were kind of annoyed that he did it. Because it was more or less, he did it at the wrong time. Well, you know, I mean, he, there was a, that was actually five days after abolition of slavery. So, well, yeah, and it was it also... It be seen as a colossal act of sour grapes. Yeah. Um, though, I in history... I think history, Lincoln being assassinated was the best thing for Lincoln's mark on history. Okay? And I'm going to say this in terms of, yeah, it was something tragic, but Booth had to play his part in the overall scheme of nature because Lincoln would have been pulled apart in his second term because he wouldn't have had, you know, he didn't have... He was a wartime president that served what the country needed during that war. Whether you like it or not, whether you like his policies or not, that joining the you know this gentleman's club is the South and the South's right not to 
um, not to be a member of the Gentlemen's Club anymore, whether you agree with that or not, whether you agree that a state can secede from the Union after it has been, after it joined the Union, um, that's neither here nor there today, but Lincoln was the wartime president that had to see through it, and after the war is over, a president who did his job to get the country through that needs to kind of step aside. Um, and so, Booth shooting him uh, is actually better for history than, than not. The South kind of, the thing was, he did it ten days too late, whatever. He did it a little bit too late in the respect that the South had accepted the fact the war was over. Though it was just newly over, it was over. They had fought in a bloody, long conflict, and nobody wanted to fight anymore. Lincoln had won. Uh, and whether, you know, in, in time has, wa has stonewashed some of the communist things, or some of the fascist things, really, because uh, now I can, Lincoln can differentiate himself from Obama in one thing. Lincoln and the rule of law, Lincoln could care less about the rule of law. He suspended habeas corpus. He suspended your right suspended your right to a trial and threw the judges in jail. The judges he didn't like, he threw in jail for the the remainder of the war so that they couldn't fight his ability to conduct the war. Uh so Obama doesn't have that kind of control. Uh, to do that, so he has to go a more socialist route. But well, actually, he does. I mean, we can detain anybody. Oh yeah, but he 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 still he likes to use the legal system to his advantage and point judges that are ultra liberal to use them to his advantage, whereas Lincoln just threw them all in jail uh, and suspended your right to tr to trial. And so we have to remember, during a time of war, the president is giving huge powers um, that you know. We complain about Bush using even some of the powers that Lincoln used. Uh, you know, and people don't realize history and the wash over Lincoln as a, as the, you know, quiet type that did what he had to do. Well, what he had to do wasn't exactly uh, too clean. And a lot of people died. Well, there are a couple little aside issues in, in that, though. <laughs> right. Uh, going back to Booth as far as, you know, dissent and yeah. patriotism. And so recently, you know, people are, like, looking at what's going on, at least in the House and the Senate, where, oh, you know, people have been saying, and I believe Patrick Cannon was saying this, and that uh, basically that Obama has has done what John McCain has failed to do in the election, and that was to unite the Republican Party. True. Against, against the Democrats. Now, True. the Democrats are now crying sour grapes, though, over it, because they believe the Republicans to be obstructionists. Yet the Republicans haven't done anything to obstruct anything that... Well, yeah, I know, but I mean, they can't really be obstructionists. They're showing their dissent, and, you know, it's like, well, why don't you uh, vote the way we want you to? <laughs> so, <laughs> it, I, I don't know, I, I find that kind of funny. I also find it kind of funny that 
you look at John Wilkes Booth, right. and you see what has happened from then until now, and it's a trend in which actors have gotten involved in politics, and not necessarily for the greater good. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there are a few exceptions um, as far as actors who have made the crossover to make both making political statements and being politically involved. I don't think people should take the advice of actors in general on politics. Well, I mean, Ronald Reagan was an actor, and, you know, look at... He did many great things for our country. Oh, I understand that, but he also, he wasn't just being a sideline commentator. Yeah. He did spend some time being the governor of California before he went and jumped into the presidency. That is it's true. It's not like he's, uh, you know, John Cusack or, or uh, uh, Tom Cruise. Right. Pointing out, oh, well, you know, you should believe in this or that and have no real political experience at all. Or have, yeah, have no political understanding. They, they didn't necessarily pay their dues in terms of being a credible political uh, commentator. Yeah. All right, anyways, let's move on to our next topic. Uh, <laughs> we need to... Uh, we can come back to this. We're going to continue on... I know we kind of cut that segment short about what we were talking about politics, but... We'll be back on to it pretty much every episode from here till the end of the Obama administration. I do have to say I'm starting to believe the uh, the doomsday prophecies. I think Terminator has us, uh, the Terminator prophecies from Terminator movies have us Skynet uh, going online in 2011 and, and Armageddon happening in 2011. I'm considering... I'm considering getting an armored truck to to fight terminators. Um I can I I would like to see the internet get so mad at Obama that it it takes over the world. Um I think that would be kind of funny that our routers uh, uh your fantasy references uh, sci-fi references aside. Yeah. The American people can only take so much doom and gloom before either they a tune out and stop listening or b do something about it. Right, and I think at this point we're the American people are starting to tune out and stop listening, and it's going to become real scary what Washington can do these next two years before we can do something about it uh, if we tune out too much. Uh, wow. But anyways, on the note of distractions, Top Model, the TV show with Tyra Banks, audition ends in chaos and six injured. Yeah. <laughs> You have anything to uh sounds on that, but I just thought that's funny. This is America tuning out when we have to talk about six people being injured in a top model contest. Well those models are, are really catty. Now I was watching a little bit of one of those shows. Oh yeah. They weren't exactly great looking. They were just very like uh competitive. Yeah. They're trying real hard to be competitive with each other, but uh they weren't the I best didn't really see much in the way of beauty or brains. Yeah. Yeah, I have to say, most most models don't um, don't have that much in brain power. Uh, okay, the next article. Uh, 
Make a blue laser gun out of the corpse of an HD DVD drive. <laughs> I think we were talking about this offline also. I don't know if that's necessarily a show topic, but it's something fun to do. Well, we do have to remember we do, we do have a technical segment to our our listening audience. Yeah, that's um, and I'm willing. I, I'll put this out as a challenge to the audience. Um, anybody who makes a blue laser gun and videotapes it, I'm more than willing to take the video of, of the blue laser and actually post it in the podcast. Um, and we'll leave it at that. Uh, I think it would be fun to make a blue laser. We may actually do that. Uh, you and I were talking about pillaging an HD DVD drive. Yeah, or, you know, a Blu-ray or something like that. But, I mean... These have been done for a while. The, the yeah. videos are out there. It's kind of old news, but if you could put like a, a new spin on it, if you got something different that you could do, maybe uh, hook up a, a red, a green, and a blue laser, and have them project on a, some sort of video display. Your basic RGB. Maybe we could uh, do some videos of that too. Yeah. Um, or definitely, or crank up the power and see if you can actually burn something with your blue laser. Uh, right. Okay, and then, you know, one that I think we've all been a part of, uh, eating contests. I know I've taken my, uh, I've done my, my, uh, bit in the Whopper race, but, uh, man chokes to death after winning pancake eating contest. Yeah, that was pretty sad. I mean, you got the thrill of victory going on there. Now, how many pancakes did the guy eat? Um, hold on, I'm reading in the article here. I don't know, it doesn't say. I think it was like 40, 42, <coughs> No, he was 48 years old. Oh. But it doesn't say how many pancakes he ate. Oh. Well... How many pancakes would you eat before you stop and die? Uh, well, considering that I'm diabetic, <laughs> I'm not sure how many I could get in my stomach before uh, it killed me. Oh. But, yeah, I'd have a problem. I'd probably be taking a ton of insulin. <laughs> so, I'm not sure I'd even want to try it anymore. You don't try that at home, kid. Yeah, you'll turn into somebody like me, a diabetic. Uh... Now, this one was a scary one. Uh-oh. U.S. forgot how to make Trident missiles. <laughs> that was pretty slick. There are a couple things. I mean, there's quite a bit of a brain drain going on. I've heard of uh, there was that story and the fact that uh, I guess uh, they couldn't figure out how to make the wheels of the lunar rover again. Yeah. They lost all the notes. And they lost all the data, and the guy who worked on it has a tire in his closet. Yeah, and and it's it's really kind of disgusting how the defense industry and has they forget how to actually keep up the weapons we've built. Now we've built weapons to dominate the world, yet we can't even keep them up. It's kind of disgusting. Yeah, but I mean. It's not that unexpected. I mean, let's say you went to go figure out, you, you had to go configure a router you haven't used in like three years. You're going to relearn it again because you don't remember how to do it. Yeah, true. It's not that uncommon. 
it's it's kind of scary because it's of such important magnitude. But <laughs> what are you gonna do? True. And then uh, more about animals and people in houses together. Man beats up kangaroo Jackie Chan in house. What do you do when your 10-year-old son wakes up in the middle of the night screaming, there's a Roo in my room? <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah, well, if, if you're whoever this is, uh, you rest the marsupial into a headlock and drag it down the hallway and toss it out your front door. <laughs> yeah, that sounds kind of dangerous, but hey, uh, I give that guy a lot of credit. Do what you got to do to protect your family. Yeah. Yeah. I got to say, I agree. You got to give this guy some credit. Uh, this yep. <laughs> Forget this one. Uh, working professionals head to the food bank. Well, this is interesting because this is a California story about uh, how hard times are getting in California. Now... We can, you know, we all know that California is running itself into the ground. It uh, can't afford to pay its own bills, let alone, I don't know how people are living there. I mean, when really... They've got an, they've got an invasion of uh, illegal people from the border, too. Yeah, they've got an invasion of border jumpers. Uh, so, yeah, that's a treasonous thing. Not dealing with the borders, that's a treasonous issue. Um, that should... Any president should be brought up on treason charges for that. Uh, and I, take them out of the union and drive them into the sea. Well, my my thing is, if we're going to let them come in, let's just go annex the whole country. Uh, no, no, I mean California. Why why don't we just uh, kick California out of the union? Uh, too big, too big of a piece of our economy. Oh. It actually would be detrimental to the economic conditions of the whole country, plus uh, everything from the western United States that gets shipped to the western United States pretty much goes through Canada. It goes through, uh, excuse me, communist California. Um, so you need the ports of L.A. and San Diego because uh, they do way too much business with Asia. Um, that they're actually an economic boom, uh, boon to our country, though nobody can run it right, and it's been infested with illegal aliens. Uh, but it's interesting to also see Californians, uh, have you actually heard that there are 10 cities in California now because of this economic downturn? Uh, they call them Obamavilles? Yeah, the Obamavilles. Uh, that are springing up all over California? Oh, I didn't hear about that, but it, it sounds logical. That because times have gotten so tough in California that people can't afford to live there and can't afford to move away, they're living in tent cities, uh, basically in an Obamaville. Uh, and we're getting back to that, you know, now. Oh, cool. So, yeah, this is a real recession, and we're going to blame Obama. Uh, didn't you mean depression? Depression, recession, whatever. Well, is it coming? I mean, I, I've been it's here for a while now, but for, for as bad as it was, in uh, from what I heard from Jim Cramer and his statistical analysis, from yeah, I want to talk to you about Cramer. 
Okay, well, he was saying that basically the economy right now is as bad as it was in nineteen in the crash of thirty seven. So it's okay. not as bad as twenty twenty seven yet, but the second twenty nine. Twenty nine, excuse me. Yeah. Um, it's not as bad as twenty nine right now, but in thirty seven we had a secondary crash because of the all the things that uh, our great president FDR did, uh, our communist president. Um, all of the things he did caused another crash in 37, and we're about as bad as 1937 right now. And we're putting on all of the same things that they did in the, trying those, all of those bad things that happened in the, the 30s to try to get us out of a recession that prolonged it for 10 years, we're doing again. We're making all of the same dumb mistakes, the oh. great society mistakes that have been proven bad and wrong, raising taxes, you know, fund, giving everybody a, a turkey in the oven or whatever. Um, you know, all those dumb government plans that failed the last time, we're trying again. But it, I mean, I, I hate to be uh, playing devil's advocate here, but um, isn't that what America needs right now, a big distraction to make everybody feel good? Uh, not, well, no. I don't want everybody to feel good. I want everybody to be miserable like me. Uh, well, there are a large, there is a group of people that everybody wants to make, well, there's some extremes to that, because there are people out now, uh, there are people who have basically this mindset of a war on wealth. Yeah, and... Okay. That's, that's, that is one kind of group of people that wants to bring down the rich yep. to their level. It reminds me of a Monty Python skit, actually, where, you know, he went around stealing all of the rich people's lupins and giving them to the poor. And then at the end of the skit, he goes to steal their lupins, and they say they have no more. <laughs> and nobody has any lupins anymore. And that's exactly what's going to happen. Nobody's going to have any money anymore if we keep trying to do this. Yeah. Um, now, Kramer has gotten himself into a little bit of a holy war <clears throat> with uh, John Stewart. Yeah, well, he went on. Thoughts on this that I've been really stewing over because... As you know, as much as people want to look at John Stewart and laugh and oh ha ha ha, look at how Kramer missed did this or did that, you know, or well how can you take advice from this guy and blah blah blah. Okay, the fact is that most people don't understand what Kramer is, what his message is, and what what he's doing. Kramer is a business entertainer. Yep. He is there for educated people <clears throat> to provide them entertainment value while giving them some information. Kramer, his methodology has always been to do your own homework. To, um, to And the tips are for waiters. And it's your responsibility to know the stock that you're getting and the reasons you're holding it. Right. 
Now, you know, and, and that, well, since tips are for waiters, <laughs> as he says, yep. you shouldn't be taking stock tips. I mean, anybody who just, you know, watches what someone says and does what they do, okay, that's what they call a simian, <laughs> yep. okay, that monkey see, monkey do. You don't do that in investing. And so to anybody who follows Kramer and takes everything they say as if it were like a religious gospel, you're an idiot. Yeah, and he even says that to them. Not only are you an idiot, but you deserve every single thing that you've got coming to you. Yeah, but he, he even says that to everybody who says just... Who, t- who does that to his show and takes things at face value? Now, as far as uh, people goes and, and, you know, quote, doing the right thing, well, John Stewart goaded him to get onto his TV show. He, he, and people will say, oh, well, you know, ha, 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 Kramer lost, you know. Well, Kramer went on to Stewart's show, and he was humble. He was respectful. Yeah. And, you know, you go on to someone's show, and it's not your show. It's like it's, you know, you're a guest in their home. A similar example, I, I, I've always brought this example up because it's kind of important. Uh, someone I know, you know, went to a small Italian restaurant. Mm-hmm. And he, he just didn't understand that not only, you know, do you uh, tip well, but yeah. you have to be nice to them, okay? Because <laughs> a good Italian restaurant, it's like you're being invited into their home. That's right. Okay? And there is a certain amount of etiquette involved in it. So so I, I compare that, you know, environment to, okay, well, uh, Kramer goes on to John Stewart's show, and he was somewhat humble. And he didn't do his usual antics, and he was somewhat apologetic. However, that shouldn't the lack of understanding on John Stewart and you know uh, the the people that oh well you know we look at Wall Street ha huh? we look at Wall Street and they're like you know we're putting our money in and they're playing these games with the stock market mm-hmm. and it's like well if you're throwing your money blindly away into a 401k, and you're not managing your investment yourself, you're not putting in the effort to follow your your worth, your worth that is tied up, your net worth that is tied up in the market, you deserve what you've got coming to you. It's your fault. It's Main Street's fault, too. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, it is your fault. Um, it, it there's a bunch of faults here. You, I mean, I I don't completely blame somebody who doesn't have a lot of control over their 401k. You need to put money into a 401k because it's the only tax advantaged way you can do it. Um, which is another thing I do. We need to need to bring up, and we're gonna have to make another show of this. Yeah. I heard a rumor that Nancy Pelosi wants to tax, tax capital gains in your Roth 401ks. That's the next thing coming. It wouldn't surprise me, but... So, you know. at this at this point, 
what's the sense in putting something into a Roth if you're only going to get taxed on the gains anyways? Unfortunately, there are a lot of mis- despite, you know, a dislike of Pelosi, yeah. there are a lot of mistruths out there about the things that people believe she said. Yeah. Or that, that she's claiming as what she will do. Right. Um, my dad actually had sent me something in the email about it, and I just hopped on over to Snopes, and it was blatantly false. As much as you want to strangle her, yeah. as much as you don't want to hear what she is doing, she did not say that, oh, we want to tax this or that. Right. So uh. we got to be kind of careful with that. I mean, we got to bring in real facts. But what the heart of the matter is, is you're just saying it yourself, well, there's a tax, you know, benefit, blah, blah, blah. But the tax benefits that you're talking about are intrinsic to both having too much government. Yep. And it's infrastructure of keeping it there in the form of perceived entitlements like Social Security, Medicare, Universal Health Care, etc., and so on. Yeah. All right. It's just, why are we bringing in, you know, we bring up this law, you know, I always knew this was going to be the case, and I don't know why I even opened a Roth 403B. I guess I'm taking the bet that I might not be taxed, but it's gonna, I'm gonna have money in that account that's gonna be doubly taxed. Mm-hmm. Because there, by the time that I get to retire, which is more than 30 years from now, um, they are, I'm almost certain, you know, I've been certain from day one that they're gonna find a way to tax the capital gains on your Roth 403B. Their, their Roth accounts. There's no way that they could let that go. That's right. Because it's going to be way too much money. Well, they're going to claim something, you know. Well, I mean, come on, because if 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 I switch jobs frequent enough every five years for the next thirty years, and I'm able to take that money and get full control over it and actually invest it properly, um, yeah. barring any more recessions or any more depressions that like we're in, I can pretty much get 10, 11% gains on that money year after year after year and make a ton of money and put that money to work for me pretty he- pretty heftily um, where I'm not in crappy mutual funds, but I'm in stocks and thing, uh, ETFs that I know can make me money. You shouldn't be terribly surprised by this maneuver. So I know they're going to tax it because I can make, if I can 100-fold my money before it comes out, that's way too much money for them to... But it has nothing to do with you or your money. It has to do with their M.O. And their M.O. is to say, we've got some sort of crisis. Let's confiscate wealth. Yeah. Exactly. We've got to do something to... to... What's the nearest wealth that we can confiscate? What is the least... What is the wealth most available and most underutilized that we can confiscate immediately? Right. And it's always a crisis condition. 
and it's always played as a temporary fix to a long-term problem. Yeah. And it's almost always irreversible. And a permanent fix to to no problem. A permanent fix to no problem. Right. And so now I get taxed on putting the money in there, and I'm going to get taxed on taking it out. You cannot win. <laughs> you have to understand this right up front. You cannot win. Actually, I did find a way to win with the capital system. Let's say you even just took, you just took all your money and put it in your mattress. Okay. You lose 3% a year to, to inflation. That's right. You lose to inflation, and you lose also to um, increased, basically increased national debt. Yeah. And the many forms of inflation. There, let's leave it at that. Yeah. The many forms of inflation. Um, printing more money is one of them. Right. Uh, which, which is basically they've done uh, right at the beginning of this year. Okay. But the important thing is not only can you not win, but our dollars, our currency is not real wealth. Yeah, but the, uh, the European euro isn't real wealth either, and the Luan, which is the Chinese wealth, is our yuan, excuse me, not Luan. Um, the yuan is, in, is based on the American dollar, so nobody has any real wealth anyways. Yeah, but currency is not wealth. True. Uh, but there is more wealth in commodities than there is in currency. Yeah, I agree, and that you actually have to change commodities from time to time. And I and I don't believe gold and silver are the answer either, because they're not, because they can be confiscated by the government. So you have to change commodities ahead of these confiscations. So, you know... Cattle is as big of a commodity and as useful of a commodity as oil is, as, you know, if I could bottle sunlight, I'd use that as a commodity. Um, trap wind, you know. Carbon credits? Yeah. Uh, hey, I, you know, like, what is it, Howie Carr and Uncle Howie's Carbon Credit Bureau? You know, I think we can start trading carbon credits. Um, Lord Clark's Carbon Credit Bureau, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, I may have to start that. Um, uh, you know, you got to think out of the box on this commodity thing, because commodities are, you can trade commodities because they're real things. Commodities markets probably, and it, the, the most real you're going to get. Well, I think, you know, as we look at, at things falling apart around us, yeah. the intangibles have more intrinsic value now. Yeah. You know, the peace of mind that you don't have any debt right. is worth far more than having an arbitrary number of dollars or gold in the bank. That's very true. Uh, and not owing anything to anybody will be very beneficial at the end of the day, uh, because then you can ditch your life. At at best, at worst case, you can ditch your life and start over somewhere else without, you know, 
without having any problems. Yeah. You know, you can always, you know, at the end of the day, I can sell my skills that you don't have to make money. You know, if I have a skill that somebody wants, I can make money even under the table, you know. Whereas if you have no skills, well, you're kind of hosed, but... Right. Um, it's just interesting to think that, you know, we can do many things. You know, if it gets worse, I can always use my skills to 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 make money, even if I have to do it under the table. Um, because the government has driven us to go do, you know, to do, to do things like that. And, you know, the more heavy taxation is, the more things are going to be driven under the table. The more I'm going to trade things with my neighbor, uh, that I can't. Well, Reagan said when government expands, liberty contracts. Right. And the biggest fear that we could possibly have is too much government. Now, in the... Budget that I actually read through the budget that uh, Obama put together for 2010, mm-hmm. and it, it really made my blood boil. And the part in there that made my blood boil the most was that he wanted people to put aside our tired ideologies. Yeah of whether or not government is too big or too small. Our tired arguments and our tired ideologies of whether or not government is too big or too small and whether or not it's working. Right. Uh, I think those questions are fundamental in determining whether or not it's working. And I think that we should put aside the tired ideology of having more government, of having government that is too big for us, right. too intrusive in our lives. Yeah, I, it, I mean, we have to accept what it is now. There's nothing we can do about it. That's not true. Well, we can we do have it. the right to alter, abolish, or revolt. Right. We can try to alter. We're not going to abolish. So that means we have, you know, our, we're only left with our real third option at this point, which is revolt, as far as I'm concerned. Unless we start really, to really alter it, we need to have a six-party system in this country so that nothing gets ever done up in Capitol Hill. Okay, because at this point, the majority rule just doesn't work the way it's supposed to. Well, it's actually cheaper to have um, a gridlock legislation to pay them as much as we do to have them not get anything done. Yeah. To pass all sorts of crazy bills that are going to cost us. Well, and I totally agree. That's what I... It's like, can we finally get some gridlock so we can move on? Now, the other thing is, let's enforce the laws of the land. If we're going to have all these problems, we already have... Oh, that sounds like way too much effort. Well, look, if you're going to complain about people being corrupt, and you've got a law on the books about people not 
preventing people to be corrupt, but you don't enforce the law, then you're a lawbreaker yourself. Okay? I don't want to yeah. hear it. We have so many laws that it's really hard to pick and choose which ones we uphold. Let's uphold all of them. No! We can't afford to do that. Why not? The laws will, half the laws will pay for themselves. It's expensive. If we uphold the law, and I'm serious about this, there are fines that you can impose. We don't need to impose prison sentences. We impose it's fines. It's expensive to uphold the law. If that were the case, and let me bring this example back home, okay? Okay. You go onto a major highway. Right. And you get cops pulling over speeders. Right. Why aren't they pulling over every single one? Because they don't want to pull over the guy in the Lexus who's politically connected. Okay. That may be the case, but maybe it's a problem that we've decided that we okay. can't enforce the law. Okay, it is true. I have to say in a certain section of 128, during rush hour, there is never a cop, I've never seen a cop pull anybody over, nor have seen a cop, I've only rarely seen cops there in the morning during rush hour, and they do not speed trap. And it's only after 11 p.m. at night that I've ever seen a cop speed trap on that section of 128. Okay, so here's the thing. You're talking about enforcing all of the laws, but the thing is, right. not all laws are enforceable, but more importantly, not all laws are important enough to be enforced 100%. Some laws, minor laws, are negligible. You can ignore them. You can safely ignore them because they will not be enforced. Okay. But what I'm saying is, I'm not saying about... Represent, no, they represent revenue. Right. They represent compliance revenue. Right. That's all they're there for. They're not there to punish people. They're there to extract wealth from people. Right, but I'm saying, with the amount of laws that are there for compliance revenue, you can get rid of all of the other taxes and just have compliance revenue. And if you were to enforce all of the compliance revenue laws, you'll bring in more money. And I mean finding businesses for anything and everything that they're not supposed to be doing on Wall Street. Wall Street would be a much better place, and trust me, it'll be a much more reliable place, and businesses will be run better. That if, is not true at all. It's very true. If they were oh. to comply with all the laws that are written... Yeah, they would basically put themselves out of business because it's not worth the aggravation. Oh, you'd be surprised. No, no, you'd be surprised. Why do people move when... when the economic conditions aren't favorable to them. No, no, no. What I'm saying is, if you're in compliance, you're not paying any other taxes. So you get rid of all the corporate taxes, and get rid of all the income taxes, and all of those taxes. Okay? You get rid of the corporate tax, there's 30% more profit right there. That you can make up more than the money needed for compliance. Look. Not a problem. Call it what you will. If you, it's a very gray area, but a fee is effectively a tax. Right. So, and they're both three letters, but <laughs> they're the same thing. You can call it a fee, 
you can call it a tax. Effectively, you're going to pay up. Yeah. So, why mince words? It's no, no, nothing different. Well, you have a choice on a fee. I cannot do the activity. I can move the activity offshore and not pay the fee. Or I can pay the fee and do the activity. Okay? Yeah. So, let's look at this. You know, if we put a, let's say, a billion dollar price tag on murder, you can get out of a jail free card if you pay a billion dollars to friendly murder somebody. Make it so that currently, you know, make it so it's high enough fee that not everybody can do it. But if you got enough money, you can go kill somebody and walk away scot-free. I don't like condone this at all. I don't condone this at all. But I'm like saying... Kennedy? I am saying, you know, this is, we'll call this the Ted Kennedy law. Yeah. Okay. This way the government gets a billion dollars for everybody murdered. And... We don't have to deal with that person being jailed for the rest of their lives. Okay? Uh-huh. And now we can take that billion dollars and, you know, I'm saying we're going to revamp the whole taxation system. So. You've just changed the societal norm, though. Well, look, we got we got to think outside of the box here. I'm okay. sick of taxes. I, I like fees, okay? I, I kind of agree. If I don't want to pay the fee, I can stop doing the activity. Uh -huh. Okay, I don't have to drive a car. I can find a job in the city and never use a car again in an apartment in North, you know, in the North End. But the thing is, you paid for it. How am I? Well, no, I'm saying I'm going to adjust my life so that I don't have to pay any fees. There's ways of doing it. How many times over have you paid for the same roads? Oh, I, I completely agree. That's why I'm saying we need to start thinking outside of the box and change everything. We got to get rid of taxes, and we got to. <laughs> but, you know, I'm I'm proposing an alternative method on how to pay for the road. Oh. Now I know we've paid for we've we've paid for that road with a sunsettable tax that never that the sun never set on the British Empire. Yeah. But I'm saying, you know, we got to think of taxation in a whole new light. And I'm saying fees are the way to go. And, you know, it's the way that people really want to do it in this country anyways. It's really the best way. Uh, because it benefits all of society when you can, you know, you can pay a, a fee and, ha and have a poorer person take your place in the draft lottery. You know, and go to war for you. You know, there's all sorts of things that can happen, you know. You can look at that through this fee mechanism. Uh, and everybody benefits because you pay off the guy taking your place, too. So everybody benefits when you when you, you go to a fee system instead of a mandatory taxation system. Because people get creative, okay? In trading... In trading things, there's always somebody willing to trade their life for for yours. <laughs> okay? There's always somebody willing to trade a, their life for a buck. Okay? So, we need to, you know, we need to think outside of the box from now on.
good luck getting that uh, the ball rolling on that. I think it would. I think you know. Look, I'm I'm going for the. I don't know what I'm. I'm going for the imperialist party. So, anyways, our last uh, business article here. Ryanair could make passengers pay for using toilets. So what? Yeah. Now I know you're not a heavy airline user. No, not a real fan of the airlines. I I think this is quite interesting. Ryanair is probably the uh, most cut-rate airline in the world, next to uh, Southwest in the U.S. Yep. Uh, so this is a cattle car in the skies. There's there's only one class economy, uh, or or uh, cattle car. But uh, these guys, to make a little more money, uh, so that they can keep their ticket prices lower, um, basically are saying we're gonna start charging you for using the loo. Uh, I can't see that one turning out well. I think people will inevitably protest by flinging poop around. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's a neat idea. I can't see it turning out well either, because you can't sell somebody 5,000 drinks and oh. then expect them not to want to go to the bathroom. Now, granted, Ryanair is one of these things that doesn't do many long-haul flights, so most of their flights are 40 minutes to an hour and a half. Uh, which normally you can hold it. Well, I think you might find some unruly passengers. True. Um, occurring out of this, either they'll be peeing in the aisles or flinging poop at each other. Flinging <laughs> poop at each other. Plain old, you know, peeing and pooping themselves. Yeah. You can't expect that to turn out well. <laughs> True. They really didn't think that one through, I think. No, they probably didn't. But, that's about it? Yeah, I'd say that's about it for tonight. All right. All right. Well, again, thanks for listening uh, to episode 20. Uh, and we're going to call it a night. <laughs>